What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Breakthrough Society podcast. I'm your host, Irvin. And today, man, we have a special episode. We actually have two guests instead of one. Um, and it's actually the second time that we've had two guests on. So we have Corey Harris and Julie Traxler on. Um, they're the owners of SB Pace. They help small business owners in the early stages of their career, their business. Um, so they're a perfect fit for the Breakthrough Society because that's what it is, man. You know, we're out here trying to help um, the early the early uh, entrepreneurs get started right in, in their journey or, in, or they need some guidance. They don't know where to start. They don't know what to do kind of thing. So that's that's where this podcast comes in, you know, helps them guide them um, in the right direction. And uh, Corey and Julie are perfect for it because that's what they do, man. That's a specialty. So... With that being said, guys, let's get to the show. All right, guys, so before we get into the show with Corey and Julie, um, if you find value in this, make sure to share it out with your friends, family, anybody you think will benefit from it. Um, We don't run ads to the show, so that's basically how we get um, viewers here. Is just organic, you know, by you telling somebody um, if you benefit from it, for sure, right? If you don't, then that's cool, too. <laughs> but, yeah, man, like, I definitely think you're going to get value from this. So, just please share it out. Um, post it on, on your social media. Make sure to tag us. We'll repost you, man, and, and let's get this shit going. Um, again, go go over to Facebook and Instagram and search for Breakthrough Society. And, I mean, you'll see the show page pop up, man. Just give us a like, a follow. And with that being said, guys, let's get to it. All right. Julie, Corey, welcome to the Breakthrough Society. How are you guys? We're great. Thanks for having us. We're um, we're excited to be here and you know, give some uh, um, entertainment, hopefully, and maybe <laughs> a little bit of value to your listeners. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Yeah, for sure. My pleasure. So, um, first off, just tell the audience who you guys are and, and what do y'all do? Go ahead. Uh, so, um, we are co-founders of SB Pace, which is a boutique coaching and consulting firm that focuses exclusively on small businesses. And we we started it um, as a direct result of the pandemic as a way to help small businesses. Probably the number one thing that we do is help entrepreneurs launch their first businesses, which is really exciting. And we've got some really great partners that we work with to help people bring their dreams to fruition when it comes to um, working for themselves and, you know, no longer um, being a slave to the man. And uh, we have a podcast and we wrote a best-selling book. Awesome. And where are you guys located at? We're in Richmond, Virginia. Sorry. I'm giving Julie direction over here. She keeps looking at me. She needs to look at the screen. Well, I yeah. keep, <laughs> I'm looking at him because I, you know, so when we're doing our own podcast, we're really good at like knowing who's going to ask the next question or comment okay. and volleying yeah. back and forth. But for some reason, we seem to be stutter stepping this one. I'm not <laughs> stutter stepping anything. The rule is that Julie always does the introduction. Yes. She gives the pitch of who we are. So we're located in Richmond, Virginia. We help small businesses. 
Um, you guys can just go like back and forth, you know, like somebody answers <laughs> like the next one first, and yeah. then like you know. <laughs> Okay, fair no, enough. We got this. Julie's just being difficult today. <laughs> yeah. every, every day, Irvin, every day. Yeah. So, so what we are doing uh, prior to the pandemic or prior to you creating SB Pace? So prior to this, uh, both Julie and I were consulting, uh, doing like consulting work. So uh, as independent consultants, Julie uh, was working for one of the big four companies uh, around the country. I was kind of just filling in here and there, finding work wherever I could. Um, prior to that, we had both worked together at a, uh, a company. That's where we initially met, was um, working for this company as a, a national food distributor. And we uh, worked on an M&A team, basically, uh, although it was more like process and business transformation and that type of stuff. But we've, we traveled around the country to various warehouses for this company. And helped integrate them into uh, the new processes because they they would go out and buy uh, companies and they just did a terrible job of integrating them into their business. And so our job was to go out there, help them with their culture, with processes, with technology and all of that and get them integrated into the company. Yeah. And, you know, so interestingly enough, when we were on the team together, I was Corey's boss. And now even though we're co-founders, he's kind of the boss of me. So the tables have flipped a little bit. And much to my dismay, it was a process team. I thought it was a M&A integration team. And then I found out like, this is really just a process team. That's all we do is we we're helping people optimize their businesses, which is a really good thing. But I'm not really the best at process. So... <laughs> Yeah, so it, it's like funny how well you guys are doing this for this other company now because of the pandemic. You know, like a, a year that's that was like the worst year. You know, for a lot of people, right? They complain a lot, but you guys use that to just like start off your own thing. You know, you got SB Pace now, and then you guys have the the podcast too. So it's I mean, it's a blessing in disguise. It really was, and it was it was great. But oh, that first year was really tough. I'm trying to talk yeah. Corey into either writing a second book, which he does a hard pass on, or <laughs> um, doing a um, different, uh, launching a second podcast that's all about the first year, right? Because that first year is, it's just filled with highs and lows. And those lows, oh my God, they're like the valley of despair. They are so low sometimes. And you're like, you question yourself so frequently, what are we doing? And Support doesn't come from where you think it's going to, and the money isn't flowing in. Like we walked into it thinking with this sort of notion of if we build it, they will come. So not fucking true. So not true. And one of the interesting things that we figured out fairly quickly was we thought that we were going to, with our background and knowledge and expertise, we were going to help help small businesses who needed to get through the pandemic, whether it was improving what they do or uh, once things kind of started to settle down, it, 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 improving processes, working on rehiring, integrating their staff, et cetera, et cetera. But the majority of our business actually came from people who were starting businesses. And it it didn't make sense until we stepped back and looked at it. It's like, well, when the pandemic hit, what did we do? We started a business. Like we took control of the situation. And that's what I think a lot of people did over the past 15 months is they uh, the, part of like the whole labor shortage thing is everybody's like, oh, people are lazy. They don't want to go back to work. And certainly that's a part of it. But a lot of people don't want to go back to working for somebody else. 
a lot of people figured out that this was a good excuse to change their life for the better. So if they were working some shitty, whatever, nine to five job that they hated, now they can go out and find a new job or they can go start their own thing and, and just kind of like it's a refresh, a reset on on society and, and the labor force for the most part. And so that's been really interesting is just talking to people who are using it in a positive way. Yeah, like I saw something too about um, like during the like so everything started back in in March right last year, so I think like the number of investors in like the stock market and crypto and all that just skyrocketed too because people were looking for other avenues to make money because they realized that their job wasn't as secure as secured as they thought it was. Yeah, it's amazing the number of um people who. Um, sort of had this notion that the, you know, I having a job working for someone else is means security, and yeah. then realized very quickly it actually is the exact opposite of security. Well, and then not to mention everybody who like the whole concept of going into the office to work. Uh, employers and and naive managers like to think that people are putting in their solid eight hours. They're getting eight hours of work. But how many how many people actually work a full eight hours while they're at <laughs> absolutely nobody? And so I think a lot of people realize like all that time that they spent dicking around on Facebook or whatever, and they're trying to hide from their boss. They're like, oh well, now I can now I can spend that time looking at the stock market or crypto or figuring out something else that I want to do because realistically I don't there isn't eight hours of work for me to do every day yeah I think like uh Gary Vee was the one that that said one time where he's like people think they're working like 40 hours a week but they're really like every day they're eating for an hour they're going to the restroom for another hour throughout the day they're on their phone for fucking two hours and at the end of the week it's like they only work like four hours but they think, you know, they're putting in the time and stuff like that. So like, I, I get that. And uh, like one of the one of the fellow team member, Roy Edwards, he uh, yeah, he put, he, he's putting me on his system where he creates like a cloud based system where your whole company can work remote. So that's what they do. Like They don't have an office space. They don't have anything. All of the employees work remote. So there's no need to go in the office and spend that time driving and like going and, and being at the office on your phone and stuff like that. They can do everything at home. And that's such a great thing that actually came out of the pandemic and a conversation that I've had with numerous people. I was in up in the D.C. area not too long ago, and there's a lot of obviously government and uh, the federal employees up there. And, and some guy I was talking to who worked for the Department of Defense said that they were really concerned because obviously Department of Defense, they need to have security in place for the you know it security all of that um but they figured out how they could work from home and they they were able to do it well and then they started talking about bringing people back into the office and all of the 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 older people were like oh yeah it's gonna be good to go back in the office but the younger people st started putting in uh applications to transfer because you know you have like there's no sense in driving especially up there in northern virginia driving an hour to and from work every day yeah. to do the exact same work that you're doing from home. <laughs> and so like all of the money that can be saved from renting offices, from those utilities, from, I mean, just the, the quality of life from people. And it's, we're getting to a deliverables based type of work where it's in this 40 hour period of time, you need to do this much work and that's it. And I, I think that that's hard for a lot of people to understand or comprehend is that 
I don't need 40 hours to do all of that work. I can get it done in 20. I can get it done in 30 and you still make the same amount of money. Yeah. I, I would be curious how many businesses are looking at that and saying, like putting people, more of their employees as sort of these fractional employees, right? They're part-time where, you know, you're working and it's almost like it's a consulting model, right? Like the job you have, you're really only working 20 hours. It's only 20 hours worth of week of, of work a week. So let's just, that's all you're expected of. But now you, and so to supplement your income, you go out and you find other people that you can do, you know, another 20 hours or 30 hours of work for. And it becomes more of this, consultant-based model or, you know, a fractional employee type of a model. And, and it gives you more freedom and flexibility as an employee to do work that you really, really enjoy and that you really love. And I, I think that's one of the big things that happened to people is they realize like, this job sucks. Like, I don't want to do this. This is, I'm not passionate about it. I'm going to go do the things that I want to be passionate about. And, you know, started, and decided to start businesses. And it was really nice to see new people starting businesses because so many, and we all know what, what COVID and the government did to small businesses over the last 15 months. It was almost like it was this like, you know, deliberate nefarious plan to like just eliminate small businesses. And I think, I think a lot of people looked at it that way. Like they were trying to just knock out the small businesses because they have much less control over a small business than they do over, you know, big major corporations. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the things that Andy was talking about where like, he believes that like, are you saying that the government's plan for like, I, I don't know if it was just him, but many other people, like I think were saying that the government's plan was pretty much to eliminate um, the small businesses and some of the medium sized businesses. And then that way the only businesses that actually thrive are the, big ass corporations, right? Like Amazon and, and like all these fucking billion dollar businesses. So like, it's pretty, it's pretty harsh, <laughs> but yeah. yeah. And uh, another thing that you were saying was uh, the, like the having fractional employees, which is pretty much like having, I guess, subcontracting like every single thing within the company. Right. So like people, people, being able to go out and, and do their own thing kind of like for, for multiple different businesses or people, right? Like it allows them more freedom, more money kind of thing. So like, I think it's a win-win for everybody. And I hope it stays that way because as an employer, you need to look at it as to me, it's worth $60,000 a year to pay somebody to do X. Yeah. And I don't care if it takes them 40 hours a week, a hundred hours a week, whatever it is like, this is what the value is to me to deliver that work. And and as long as people don't change that, it'd be like, oh, well, it's taking you half the time that way. Therefore, I'm going to pay you half as much. You know, that's where like that, that, that balance is going to have to come. Um, because uh, again, if it, like, I know a lot of people, I mean, you, you, you're milking the clock, but because you want the hours, but you're also milking the clock because you don't want to make it look like your job isn't important. So you're getting paid. Uh, I worked with plenty of people who were in data entry and that type of stuff. And they like, they would take the full day to get their work done because if they did it early, they were concerned that they were going to lose their job. You know, they would get paid less or they would consolidate because that's the way that big businesses look at that. It's like, well, if you could do two people's work and you know, the same amount of time, let's get rid of one person and you just get to do twice the work. <laughs> you know, where I always think about that is when I'm at the grocery store and I'm checking out and I'm like, if these people got paid by the number of people they checked out, 
we would have a completely different system going on here, but it always feels like they're like, they slow down as much as they possibly can for everybody who comes through their lane because it's the less people they have to run through and and ring up their groceries, the less work they have to do. I'm like, oh my God, can we change the structure here so we can move faster? But I, it always reminds me of that at the post office and at the grocery store where I'm like, we need to change how we're compensating people. I'm going to disagree with you just a bit on uh, the, I agree with the post office and the DMV because there's no, well, the post office, there is competition there, but like the DMV, there's no competition to the DMV. You can't go to you know, the other privatized DM, you know, DMV, whatever, because this one sucks. But with grocery stores, I'm, I'm going to put half the blame on the people as well, because like the, the customers, because I don't know how many times I like, I prefer the self checkout, but if I get stuck in a lane and I have to go, you know, deal with a human, um, there's inevitably the person in front of me is just not ready to check out. Like they finished scanning. They haven't helped bag at all. Like, and then the person's like, oh, you know, it's $150 for their groceries. And then they decide to look for their checkbook. And I'm like, who, <laughs> who writes a checkbook? And are you surprised right now that you have to pay for this food? Like, you should be ready to go to write that amount in. You should be ready to go to put in your PIN number, whatever it is. But they don't. Like, and I'm like, come on. Like, this is this shouldn't be a surprise. This is not the first time you bought groceries. <laughs> there is definitely a system at the grocery store. Yeah. And you are correct. It's part of it is the... The, the customer, but part of it is also the check outer person, the cashier, I yeah. guess we would call them is slow. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I put my groceries in order. Like I, I make sure that like the, like the fragile stuff's at the back so that it goes on top. Same as <laughs> Put it together in terms of like, when I get home, all of this is going in the refrigerator. All this is going in the pantry, make my life easy. Yeah. Same as I'm the same way. <laughs> <laughs> now, when I go to these places, I'm going to actually like think about this shit and, and really pay attention. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be like, see it. Yeah. Yeah. Then I'll be like, because it, it is true. Because if, if, yeah, if, we, if they get paid by the customer that they check out, you know, I mean, they can, I'm pretty sure they can get a, an amount, you know, just by the average, you know, like the past month or whatever. And, you know, they get paid that amount. They're going to want to go quicker. They're going to want to make more money. So, like, that just helps the company overall. Exactly. Performance based pay. Well, I think it was what FedEx or UPS, one of those where they went to um, instead of paying people by the hour, they paid them by the by the the job, basically. So if you could get all of these planes loaded, all of these trucks loaded in six hours, you could leave early and you'll get paid for an eight hour day. And lo and behold, they were able to get everything done a lot quicker when they were just getting paid to do the work for the day instead of getting paid by the hour. Man, lots of lots of businesses need to read the case study on that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and like the one thing too that I've been I've been uh, since I founded the Power List, um, like I'm also I know like Andy talks about this a lot where like uh, you have the Power List, you know your five things you need to get done for the day. If you get it done by by noon, you're done for the day. You know, so I've been I've been kind of looking at it like that too, like within my business, um, not specifically like the say the people that go out to the the job site because you know you have to physically be there on in a service-based business but um like say somebody that's working in a warehouse or somebody working in an office like as long as you get your your shit done for the day like everything else you do is extra or you know you can be early so i've been kind of like seeing it like that a little bit that's interesting do you um so you you use the power list to sort of dictate um your stuff that you have to do for work for, for your business and when 
that's done, excluding like if you have to be out like at a customer site, like when that's when those things on the power list are done, your day is locked and loaded and you're good to go. Yeah. And sometimes like when I do finish it early, because stuff that's on my list is things that I need to do, like say here, me sitting down here, right? Like it doesn't include stuff that I have to go do out in the job site. But whenever I finish the list, if I finish it by 2 p.m., 3 p.m., like I literally, the rest of the day, I can do what, what I want or I can do extra stuff, but I feel like I just wasted the whole day. <laughs> it's weird. Do you Did you buy the new Powerless book that he had? Yeah, I'm actually, it's actually just got shipped, I think, yesterday. Mine just arrived yesterday, so oh, yeah. I ordered two of them. I'm going to give one to Corey. We're going to try that out and see how that works. So, yeah, I... I just got them, and I actually am impressed with the quality. It's, it's. I, I don't know why I am. I mean, Andy's stuff is <laughs> good, but it's. I'm, I'm excited to start using it. Yeah, I just been using my notebook, but yeah, like I'm pretty excited for it to arrive. This is news to me. I know. So you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Dropping surprises today. <laughs> yeah. Early Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so um, like whenever you guys made the shift, or like I'm curious, like did did you guys make the shift to leave the company that that uh, you were working with at the same time, or was it like unplanned, kind of to start doing your own thing, or how did that work out? It was so my I was on a contract. I was working for one of the big four consulting firms. I was actually doing like third party consulting for them, and my assignment was scheduled to end. Um, on March 27th, and I literally was watching throughout the month of March that every opportunity they had for other assignments was just drying up as COVID was getting worse and worse. And so um, shortly before it ended, um, Corey and I had had a conversation where we're like, you know, we we both had some money in the bank and we're like, it, it started out truly as let's call on, we have a lot of people in our network that are small business owners and entrepreneurs. And we started calling on them to see if they needed help, right? Because we were, so many people were, they were really confused over what was happening. Information was coming in very fast and it was changing almost daily. And so people didn't know like, what can I do with my business? What should I expect to happen? Can I be open? Am I safe? Like, what do I, you know, finances? And a lot of people didn't know how much money like how long they could make it. And so um, financially, like they knew what, what, how much money they had, but they didn't know how long that was going to, like how long they could last without any sort of additional income coming in. And so we started calling on friends and family to see if they need any help, to ask them questions about how they were positioned. Like, what did they have? Was there any pivots they could make? And that's, that's how the business started was doing that. And I'll let Corey tell you what he was up to before we, before we launched. So I my like last big contract ended in the middle of 2019, and I spent uh, I spent some time 2019 just like I renovated a bathroom. I went and, like did some traveling and hiking and that type of stuff. And I had a uh, I just got back from Alaska, so I had like just a short term contract where I was working up in Alaska, and I was at in the meantime working on opening up a restaurant. So I was going through all of that. Uh, this is beginning of 2020. Uh, into like middle of 2019 into 2020, I was getting all my ducks in a row to get uh, this restaurant going. And then February of 2020, I'm, I've got a lease in my hands for a, a space. And I'm like, let me just hold on to this for a couple of weeks and just see where this is go, where, where this goes before I sign anything. 
So I was like, in the meantime, was just trying to like, just find some jobs here and there to fill the gaps. Cause I was planning on, I'm just going to open up a restaurant and that's obviously going to be my full-time job. Um, and then obviously the pandemic happened. And so that's where the, the story. So I obviously didn't sign that lease. Then I, I did sign the lease uh, back in April. So that restaurant is happening. Hopefully this year we're still dealing with the effects of the pandemic, but the, uh, uh, but that's where Julie and I, you know, that's where that story kind of, uh, meets Julie's in that I, I didn't have anything going on because I was working on a restaurant that was then put on hold for however, you know, indefinitely. Yeah, so. that's, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> um, well, like, so like you guys help small businesses kind of like start off, especially, um, mm -hmm. like I created the podcast to help people that say they want to start a business or they want to, um, do, like I've gotten messages that people want to, you know, they have ideas of doing, you know, building a business or doing like big things, but they, they don't know how to start. They don't know what to do. So, I mean, what kind of like a guidance can you give them as far as like starting a business? Like I've had some friends that um, want to start like a car, um, like fix up cars, sell them kind of thing. So like if somebody wants to do something like that or they, I have a couple of friends that have small clothing brands you know, what kind of guidance advice do you, do you give them? It's, uh, I mean, for most people, I mean, cause that sounds a lot like where well, a lot of people, a lot of small business owners where they, they start off as they've got what's basically a hobby. They've got something that they're interested in a skill, yeah. whatever it is, and they're trying to figure out a way to monetize it. And there, I mean, that's a great way to start a business, especially if you have existing income from like a full-time job so you don't you're not pressed to get yourself into business but the key is just building out that foundation if you have that time i mean even if you don't have the time you need to do it but if you have the luxury of time is understanding everything that should go into that business and doing it right the first time so that's building out your your core values your understanding your culture looking at your hiring practices uh, figuring out your target market, like everything that goes into being a successful business, all of the strategies, your growth strategies, marketing strategies, et cetera, et cetera, like doing all of that work ahead of time, because trying to do that on the fly, you're going to probably do it wrong. And it's going to cost you a ton of money in the back end to do it right. So getting it done correctly before you're pressed to get it done is probably the most important thing. I would say build um, the the strong foundation is critical um and making sure that there's a market for what you want to do for what you're doing um is really important we've seen a lot of people who um kind of do it backwards right and then get really frustrated when the sales aren't there immediately but it's like you haven't really tested the market so you need to make sure and um honestly i've never seen anybody better at doing that approach than um Callie Keen, right? Who he has this podcast, the Red Blue, or um, that is not the name of his podcast. And hype, and hype yeah. right? Yes, <laughs> his business is Red Blue Collective, and he is amazing at at sort of doing those steps in the right order and testing the waters to make sure there's a demand for what you want to do. Um, and you know, being being a knowing, understanding that it's hard work to start it to start a business, but being really comfortable with the risk and the failure that comes along with it. And um, knowing that businesses are built on that, those consistent daily, mundane, boring 
tasks, right? The mon- the, the the money is in the mundane. If mm. if you really really think about it, when you were starting a business, and so it's exciting and it's fun, but there is a lot of muck and shit when you are getting started, and you know that most of our clients get really excited the first like 60 to 90 days because we're building it and getting ready to launch it. And then I remember one, one client we launched for, um, literally on his launch day, he said to us, who now all the hard work is over. And me and Corey just <laughs> were like, brother, it is literally just starting. That was easy compared to what's about to happen. And I was so frustrated because he didn't get his the sales that he thought he was going to get, right? You know, he had this big projection for what he thought was going to happen as soon as, like, he launched, and it didn't happen. And, you know, it's really, like, important to set realistic expectations. It's great to have big goals, but you got to be really realistic about what's going to happen and know that, I mean, it is a fucking grind. And just kind of play off that, uh, Keeping things simple when you start, because oh, yes. like, let's take a friend who wants to launch a line of clothing, uh, you know, they want a clothing brand or whatever. Like the, the first thing that everybody wants, to, like the idea part, the idea phase of any business is the most exciting phase. And they're like, oh, and we can do this and we can expect, you know, it, like we can also do, I don't know, purses and wallets. And then we've got hats and then we can start talking about, you know, creating interiors for whatever. Like, it, like, no, slow down. What do you do? Well, you, you make uh, t-shirts, you make jeans, like you, like, I mean, I, when I say one thing, it could be, you know, just here's, here's our clothing line, do that one thing well, and then work on expanding your brand. Because the first thing that that's going to happen if you try and, and do too many things is you're just going to overextend yourself. And then you're mm-hmm. just going to do a lot of things poorly instead of one thing. Well, yeah. And I'm going to add one more thing. Yeah. Um, I think it is, it is so um, important to understand the value of your time especially if you are producing a product or you are doing all of the work yourself, right? So example, if you are, you know, if you are doing the work on like customizing cars and selling them, or you're doing the work on making the t-shirts or making the purses and, and you are a perfectionist, like you need to understand what, how much time things take you to do and what the value of your time is, are you never going to price it correctly and you're never going to make any money. And a lot of people get that wrong because when you first start, you're so reluctant to like ask for the money that is at, that the product or service is actually worth. And then when you, when you undervalue it, it's it's well, first off, it's always better to go undervalue than over when you first start out, because once you start lowering your prices, it's, it, it's tough. Right. But when you start out and you just, you know, you, you're charging somebody $50 an hour or $50 for a product that takes you like eight hours to make, that's just, that's just stupid. And you have to really, really understand what your time is worth. Yeah. That, that's something that I, um, like I'm, I'm reading this book. So like, I realized it, the, the profit first, but it's for contractors, um, that, you know, a whole problem, and and I did this. I kind of still do it sometimes, where like I work in the in the project, you know, in, in finishing up the project. But then I'm I'm also working in the office where I price the product before for the project before, you know, and and I'm and then even before that, whenever I go and and look at the project, you know, with my own eyes. So like I'm not pricing all of that like the stuff before. So it's like 
like that money isn't there kind of thing so you're just like undervaluing yourself so like i realized reading that book like i realized these past few days were like how you're saying like you just price to to like it's just so undervalued that you don't even realize it and uh yeah go ahead corey well, yeah, and and for small business owners, everybody's trying to figure out a way that where they can cut costs and like, oh, I can do it myself. I'll just do it myself because they don't understand what their their time is worth and they don't value their time like they should. And then you get into things like, for instance, for me, uh, starting a restaurant, I'm going to pay somebody to do social media. That is something that it is like I can do. I. I, I don't have any social media myself, but I know enough about it that I, I can post something on the internet somewhere. Um, but I know that I'm going to do it poorly. And any time that I spend on like doing social media marketing is going to be wasted time. So it's either don't do it, which I can't, or just pay somebody to do it because otherwise it's just a waste. So I know for like now that I have to pay somebody and it's not a lot of money, but be like, oh, well, that money adds up and $200 here. And yeah, it does. But that $200 a week that I might spend, you know, paying somebody to just make sure that posts are uh, happen and, and people are engaged with and all of that is time that I don't have to do it. And it's going to be done well, you know, and in theory, that's going to pay for itself. And yeah. I've, I've seen it happen. It, 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 you know, that return on investment happens. So, yeah. Yeah. And then you can shift your focus to whatever it is your strength is, you know, possibly make more money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like training people, hiring the right people, working on the culture. I mean, the first couple of months is going to be spent, uh, you know, probably washing dishes and making margaritas. But, you know, outside of that, like uh, working on the things that I want to work on and the things that I'm good at and pay somebody else to do the things that I don't want to do. Yeah, that's like <laughs> spending the whole day trying to do like powerless is something too. was like, dude, I can barely like be sitting here for an hour like doing these interviews before, like, you know, I start shaking my, my leg or, you know, wanting to just walk around the apartment or something. Like I can't be like sitting in the office all day type of thing. So, you know, eventually I got to start hiring people to take that position where they can be sitting down, you know, if that's something that, that they do or that, that they, they like to do, you know, but I'm the type where like, I have to be moving all the time. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah, a, that's, that's a, oops, I'm sorry. No, yeah, because that's just not my my thing. It's just like sitting down all day. Yeah, that that knowing like where that line is for making the hire is a really tough thing for new business owners, right? Because you need to make sure that you've got the you 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 look at it first as a as a cost, right? To what it's the the money that it's going to cost you to to hire somebody, and you don't really think about the time piece of it, and you're trying to you know cover it with revenue that's coming in and and, you know, sometimes the, the answer is by hiring someone else to do the work, it frees you up to do the high value, important things that are actually going to generate more revenue. So you got to take a little bit of a risk there. And that's a tough one for for new entrepreneurs and new small business owners to to understand and to work through. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of going through that right now where I like I'm starting to reach out to more people like how Corey was saying, like for the marketing, like I'm not really a marketing person but if you give me the ideas and the content you know i can like start to work on it but you know i'm like reaching out to other people to kind of help me out with all these stuff that i'm not you know too good at but but yeah as we're uh, running out of time here we got about four minutes um gotta hop on another interview but uh, real quick before i ask you this last canned question um 
can you tell the the audience where they can find you guys? Everything that you need to know about our business can be found on our website, sbpace.com. We've got links to our podcast, BizQuick Podcast, all of our social media links. Everything is on sbpace.com. Awesome. Cool. So uh, the last kind of question I have is, what do you guys consider your breakthrough moment? Ooh, this, <laughs> I know. Um, so for, I, there's a couple of them, right? Um, at the six month mark, we had a really, really tough conversation because we um, both agreed. We only committed to six months when we first started where we're like, okay, we're going to try this for six months and see how it's going. And we were kind of half in half out for maybe the first 90 days where we were still, I think both kind of looking for other things. And then we sat down and we're like, we got to we got to either go all in or we got to go all out. Right. And so we decided to go all in and at that six month mark, things weren't really where we thought they would be, but we both were like, yep, we're, we're fully committed. And so that conversation was hard because we had to like really be very, very realistic about where the business was. And it wasn't where either one of us thought it was going to be, but we both saw the potential. And so we kept pushing forward and then on day 367, <laughs> it's <you> know, exactly <laughs> what day it was, um, we actually signed three clients on the same day. And that's when we're like, okay, we can do this. And, you know, there's been a lot of times even since then where you kind of still question yourself, but yeah. knowing that there are people out there that are interested in us and, and want to work with us, that, that was that moment for, that was a moment for me. That was definitely a big moment, you know, actually getting some some revenue. That was nice. Um, <laughs> but for me, it's, I don't know, it's just a lot of little things where you can just kind of feel the momentum shifting. It's like if you're watching any any kind of sports game or whatever, there isn't like that one defining moment where a certain player makes a play or whatever. You can just tell that momentum has shifted. And it's just little tiny things throughout there where that that are just – uh, and like, I mean, recently, and it it has to do with our podcast where all of a sudden, like, I feel like the momentum just kind of took off, like, it, like, and, and really nothing that we did. It's just, it got to that tipping point where enough people were listening and enough people were sharing where it's like a kind of like an exponential growth, um, in that. And so it's just little things like that along the way that, that for me, uh, just kind of like, you can just tell that the momentum's going in your direction. It's going in your favor. Yeah. And like once you look like you, you you stop, you look back, and you're like, oh shit, you know, the, the momentum's it's there, like it's going. Exactly. And, and and all of that momentum is built off of those consistent mundane yeah. things, right? It's for all sure. that's that's where it comes from. I think one other moment that was like really big for us breakthrough was we recently had somebody reach out to us who um who wanted to hire us who neither one of us knew who told us that when she was asking around about people to work for four different people pointed her to us and said, you should go work with them. Oh, wow. And um, we haven't asked her who the four people were, but the fact that, you know, she was like, you, you know, you guys' name just keeps coming up and up and up. And I was like that, well, that feels good. That feels yeah. really good. <laughs> yeah, you guys must be doing something right. <laughs> yeah. Fingers crossed. We continue it. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, I appreciate you guys for coming on and, and sharing all this. I'm very excited to see what you guys are doing in the near future. Yeah, thanks for yeah. having us, Irvin. This was great. For sure, yeah. I enjoyed it. All right.
Bye. 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 Have a good day.